Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. Wasn't that an amazing prelude? I loved that. We are now in the fifth Sunday of Lent. We have uh, Palm Sunday coming up next Sunday. And then we have on April 1st and April 2nd, Monday, Thursday service at 7 o'clock and Good Friday service at 7 o'clock. Easter Sunday is just two weeks away. We hope that you will join us and invite others to do so as well. Will you join me responsively in our call to worship? In God's eyes, love is never absent. In God's heart, forgiveness is never impossible. In God's embrace, no one is ever alone or forgotten. unite our voices in our opening prayer. Holy God, by the cross and resurrection of Jesus, you lift the suffering world toward hope and transformation. 
and open the way to eternal salvation. As we move ever closer to the passion of Christ, may your law of love be written on our hearts as he draws all people to himself, revealing your love for the world. Amen. Good morning. I'm Dr. Kelly Wilson, volunteer coordinator of Christian and Youth Ministries here at First United Methodist Church. I have some exciting opportunities coming up for our children. Beginning Sunday, April 11th, 2021, at 10 a.m., we will start Children's Sunday School. It's for ages 4 to 10, but anyone who is interested may join the Zoom link. Zoom links will be provided through email and the church website. Materials for each week will be provided each Thursday in front of the elevator on the first floor of the office building. In addition, we're excited to be planning in-person learning for Vacation Bible School beginning Sunday, July 25th through Thursday, July 29th. More details will be forthcoming. Should COVID conditions be questionable, Vacation Bible School will occur virtually. We are in need of volunteers for each. Please contact a church if you are interested. And now for our children's service sermon. Welcome to the fifth Sunday in Lent. Our theme is We Are God's People, based on the book of Jeremiah. Think about a time when you were told you were going to do something and you were not so sure about it. What did you do or how did you react? Well, growing up, I went from wanting to be a lawyer for businesses to a journalist and now an educator. I followed God's will as he took me along my path of career choice. And being an educator, specifically an assistant principal, I get to be a Christian role model to not only students, but the community around me. I work to serve others, advocating for students and teachers, ensuring equity and equality for all. According to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for success and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, and a future. However, Jeremiah was unsure of God's decision, wanting him to be a prophet, feeling he was too young. But God spoke to Jeremiah, telling him he knew him even before he was born. God promised Jeremiah he would make him bold and provide him the words to say, as well as be with him wherever he went. In turn, Jeremiah wept for those who would not follow God's words. In fact, he worked to change the heart of these people so that one day everybody would love and obey God. God needs you and I, just as he did Jeremiah, to speak his words and follow him. We are all an important part of God's creation. Although I did not start off as an educator, with the work of God, I found my calling and how I am to serve my community around me, as will you. We each need to open our hearts to God and his will 
because God needs us and the world will not be the same without us. Now let us pray. Lord God, as you look down upon these children of God, please continue to look after them, guide them along your path and their everyday actions. In addition, assist them to remember that we are all God's people, no matter our background. Amen. Thank you. As we prepare to receive God's word, let us pray. Your word, O oh God, has power to change our lives and to create a whole new world. As we meditate on your word this day, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may treasure your word with our whole hearts and fix our eyes on you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is found in the 31st chapter of Jeremiah, beginning with the 31st verse. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant which they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the 12th chapter of John's gospel, beginning with the 20th verse. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and thought that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. 
He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lent is a time when we are asked to make a connection between our lives and Jesus' death. Most of us remember our Sunday school lessons about how Christ died for the sins of the whole world, but have often been left puzzled by what those words mean exactly. Do they mean that God is keeping some giant scorecard and that Jesus is going to wipe that out? Is God keeping an ongoing ledger? Or will what happened 2,000 years ago affect or not affect what I may do tomorrow? Does Jesus go on dying for our sins? And what kind of God would require that? It is just two weeks until Easter. And before that, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, when we will think about Jesus' death and resurrection, I think it's important for us as we approach the end of Lent for us to think individually and as a church about that, what that means for us exactly. It's not enough to share other people's opinions or to share Sunday school learnings about that. We need to come to terms individually and collectively with what that actually means. The connection between our lives and Christ's death. So during this time of Lent, especially in Latter Lent, we are encouraged and invited to spend some time asking God to teach us about that. The passage that we just heard from John's Gospel contains most of what Jesus had to say about his own death in the Gospel. According to John, he said it in Jerusalem during Passover, the last week of his life, when we are told some Greeks are in town and come to see him. Their request is actually a sign to him that his hour has come. These were not local people who had heard about Jesus from their neighbors, from people who had heard his teaching and seen his miracles. They were Gentiles who had come from afar. They wanted to meet Jesus, this Hebrew holy man. When the authorities heard about it, they would step up their efforts to arrest him. The more famous he became, the more dangerous he was to the powers that be. Something had to be done about him, and soon. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, he said to them. And he wasn't just talking to them, but to the whole crowd standing around. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit, he said. Was he talking only about himself? Was he talking about all of us? It is a statement about the redemptive power of suffering, both his and ours. And it's no easier to hear now than it was then. What he's telling us is that if we do everything in our power to protect our own lives, 
the way that they are, if we successfully preserve the status quo, then at the end we will find that we had no life at all. But if we hate our lives in this world, which as far as I'm concerned can only mean if we hate all the ways we cheapen our lives by chasing comfort and safety and superiority in this world, if we hate that enough to stop it and start pursuing God instead, then there will be no end to the abundance of our lives. And that is what Jesus promised us. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. There were two choices that he laid out for his followers that day. Two choices also available to him as the net drew around him. The first choice was self-protection to avoid suffering. And Jesus could have chosen that for his own life. He could have gone underground and shared his message only with a few in small house churches, hanging out in different people's homes to avoid the authorities. He also could have just toned down his message. That would have worked too. He could have found more innocuous ways to phrase things. He could have stopped eating with outcasts and to start hanging around with people that the religious elite thought a rabbi should be hanging around with. He could start showing more respect for organized religion if he loved his life and wanted to save it, that is. On the other hand, if there was something that he loved more than his life, well, then there was another choice, a second choice available to him. That was a way of self-offering, of self-giving. It contained not only the possibility, but the probability of suffering. Not as the main goal, but as a byproduct of that main goal. If he kept walking around in the open where anyone could get to him, if he kept speaking confrontationally and, and shaping his message in a way that threatened the status quo, well then eventually he was going to suffer for it. He was crossing lines of power that you don't cross without getting electrocuted. So his only choice was whether to cross them or not. But he did have a choice. We tend to think of Jesus' suffering and death as inevitable but he had a choice. There are a lot of kinds of suffering in the world that have nothing to do with the gospel. And that's why the problem of redemptive suffering is such a, a thorny one theologically. There's nothing redemptive about famine or genocide or, or any number of other ways of suffering. There's no choice for those who suffer from those things. And no one should have to endure them. The only kind of suffering I am talking about today is the kind that Jesus chose. Again, not as his goal, but as a byproduct of that goal, which was to be fully whom God had created him to be, to offer his life, to engage in self-giving. 
A grain of wheat cannot grow unless it dies. That's what it's made for, Jesus says. If you guard it, if you hide it in a container, it will never be good for anything. For a seed to do what it is meant to do, it has to be given up. It has to fall into the earth. It has to be buried. It has to sit down there in the dark until its, hours co- in our, its hours, hour comes when, when it will break open and hatch new life. It will be a, a green shoot that makes its way through the earth and finds the sun. And then it will bear much fruit. If you dig around its roots looking for the seed, you won't find it anymore. It is dead and gone. It gave up its life so that there could be more wheat in the world. Now, this is a very different understanding of Jesus' death than most of us were taught, which was that Jesus died to atone for our sins. According to John's gospel, Jesus died to fill the world with wheat so that all of God's children would not want for bread again. But in order to do that, the seed had to be planted. It had to die or it would never grow. If Jesus had taken the first option and played it safe, if he had saved his life and become a blogger or, or, or gone about his movement in a way that didn't involve risk, Who knows how long there would have been followers of Jesus. But because he was so willing to lose his life, because his message mattered so much to to him that he was willing to show people what it meant instead of just telling them about it somehow, his seed bore much fruit, much more than it ever did while he was alive. Because Jesus was willing to die, God could raise him from the dead. Because Jesus was willing to die, people could discover that that death was not the end. Death was not the last thing that would happen to them. Because Jesus was willing to die, a new community was started in his name, formed and refined on the basis of his death. One of the main points in that redefinition was a new view of suffering. It was no longer something to be avoided at all costs, nor did it mean that God had abandoned you. It might mean, in fact, that God loved you very much because when someone on a path toward God deliberately chooses self-offering that goes with that path, then that, that becomes one of God's most powerful tools for transformation. It's how God breaks open hardened hearts. It is how God cracks open lives so that they can can be made new. When Jesus died, this power was made manifest. By absorbing himself into the worst that the world could, could do to a child of God, and by refusing to retaliate, to do any of it right back, He made sure it was put to death with him. By suffering every kind of hurt and shame without ever letting them deflect from his purpose, he broke their hold on humankind. 
In other words, sin met its match in Jesus and his self-offering. He showed us what is possible. And these are just some of the fruits of Jesus' death, things that would not have happened had he not been willing to die. This text about grains of wheat, it is not just about Jesus. It is also about us, we who owe our lives to him. If he had not died, we would not be here. But because he did, we are. Today he has spoken to us the way of life and the way of death, letting us know that, that these are two choices and we have to take one. We may not abstain. When the hour comes, each of us has a grain of, of wheat with which to cast our votes. It is the grain of our lives, and all of creation is holding its breath to see what we will do with it. Thanks be to God. Amen. God, his son not spare. 
Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with the boldness of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do. In all that you do, may love be the way. Amen. <laughs>